The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Well, welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Billy I Candy Kimsey. Way louder than an old Henry bar. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Behind the glass, Rocket Man Andy Bishop. Sarita the Rita Edgerton. What's up? <laughs> and Cherry the Annihilator Lewis, you're back. You both are, you're back. Hello. You made it. Yeah. You guys made it back. So that you guys have been gone. You guys are off the show like almost over two months. Not oh, that's really. That's not hard to are. do around here. Yeah, because, I know. Yeah, two months happens quick in, on our schedule. Yeah, yeah it really in does. Two months, I think I was gone three times. Yeah, but still. Yeah, so because we did so many recordings all at once when mm-hmm. we were in yeah. Virginia Beach, so it kind of threw you off. Yep. So you're way you out. You just threw me off. I just threw you out. Yeah. And you weren't here for Derek Lambert. No. The Vision. You guys weren't here for Dave Cristiano. No. So you're like, they're not going to hear from you until Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just oh, ho, ho. Just maybe edited see, that Derek Maybe you'll Lambert. see a spike. Yeah. In the Christmas. leadership. Yeah. Yeah. When we're back on. When we're back on. So this is a very special episode. Uh, this is a very special episode for me. I am uh, fangirling, and uh, he doesn't know I'm about to say this about him, but uh, one of my heroes uh, of modern day in the faith. Um, I have read. I've begun reading his books. I used to. I watched a show on YouTube. I listened to his podcast. Um, he is a prolific author. He has 35 books that he's written. He's got five more that he's going to be writing. And uh, welcome, Mr. Gary Demar, for being in the studio. Good to be here. Interesting studio, too, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah, most people don't really realize it. When you see the front of the house, you don't realize it's back here. Yeah. It's amazing what you can do with not very much. Yeah, and Andy is the king of that. Yeah, Andy has always been able to do that. Yeah, it is definitely. It's deceptive because it's long and narrow. So you look at the front of it, and you're just like, where are they going to put us? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Have have you ever seen the documentary uh, Muscle Shoals? Oh, yes. 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 Yeah. Good. Kind of, you know, didn't look like much, but when they got there, yeah, it's, it's, it was pretty impressive. I, I always know, because you always see some, not always, but sometimes you see that look on people's face. You're like, they'll be fine once they get inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're exactly. like, oh, it's, it's like a real studio in here, kind of. I know. And that's what's funny. And um, by the way, I want to go ahead and make mention of it. In the Mountain X, oh, Giraffe yeah. Studio is ranked number two. It's like a uh, a local uh, a local arts and entertainment rag. And, uh, and and number one is Echo Mountain, which is a multi-million dollar facility. It's, yeah. there's, it's, it's just a, rest, a race for second place anyway. So that's, it, it's, yeah. It's a race I'll for second it. place. So you are the, of all the losers, you were number yeah, one. I am number one. I'm the first <laughs> loser. <laughs> but truth be told, Andy, you're second to none, man. That's why we're here. You oh, are second to none. Thank you, I'm not going to pay that multi-million dollar. <laughs> well, you don't, want, you don't want the like, $1,500 a day price tag or whatever. <laughs> Not a chance. No. But anyway, so congratulations to you. No, thank you. We've talked about Giraffe Studio for a long time. This is Andy's been in this business for a very long time, around 20 years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I knew him when he had hair. It was back in the day. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was ago. a long time ago. 
It absolutely was. Well, let's get on to this. This is a testimony episode. And uh, Mr. Damar, if it's okay, I'll call you Gary. Sure, sure. Um, I'm, I'm really interested uh, in, in your life story, but also in the testimony. And I ask every guest that I've had on uh, our testimony series, can you tell me the first time that you ever heard the name Jesus Christ? Well, I was raised Roman Catholic, okay. so that wasn't an unusual thing. Uh, when we went to church every Sunday, you know, went the holy days of obligation. Um, it was an altar boy up through I don't know Eighth fourth, grade. fourth or fifth grade. Mm. Uh, went to Cal- went to Catholic school through the fifth grade. Eventually, went to a public school, which is right up the street from me, which was which was was needed for me based upon things I did I did later on. So well, you know, we always went to church. We weren't religious in that respect. We were religious like everyone else was religious back then. Mm-hmm. You know, if you if you were uh, if you weren't Jewish, you were a Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, one those, young, those were the options. <laughs> that, that was a, that was about it. I mean, you think about it. And where I went to high school, um, very ethnic area. I, my my grandparents were originally from Italy. Uh, and next door, the O'Briens, uh, uh, you know, crossed, crossed the street, another Italian family, a Czech family up, up, uh, up the street, the O'Connors, a uh, very good friend of mine, Ukrainian. I mean, we grew up in a very ethnic, ethnic neighborhood that we pretty much all held the same moral values. I mean, it wasn't, it, 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 it wasn't um, unusual for a a, uh, for Mrs. Petrie to call my mother and say, "Well, you know, while you were at work, Gary was on the roof again," uh, sort of thing. Yeah. You know, that was raised just, in the village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, we, you know, we got we got together. Someone got a new car. Everybody was out there. They were looking at the new car. people get new cars today, and no one no one really cares. I mean, no. it's, unless it's a vet or, or something. a Tesla. Yeah, it's or a Tesla. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was it was an event. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. Oh, Tony got a new car. And my father had to get the right kind of car because my, my father was in a Second World War. Uh, he was actually at Pearl Harbor when it was it was uh, when it was attacked by the, by the Japanese. Wow! And uh, he survived that. He was in the in the uh, in the Pacific Theater, and uh, then he re-upped. My mother just about killed him for that. But he ended up going to Korea and lost his right right leg in the Korean War at the mid mid thigh. Hmm. And so, any car he got, uh, he had to be able to put his prosthetic leg over to the right side, so he couldn't have bucket seats or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he drove that car with, you know, with a prosthetic leg. Couldn't, of course, do, couldn't use a stick shift. Was on a bowling team. Walked the golf course, swam, dove off the diving board, all that kind of stuff. So, with, there was never any whining in our in our house. Wow, you couldn't whine about anything. Yeah, None I might, whine if I have to get up and change yeah, the TV channel. Yeah. Well, we, well, we all had to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's like eight full feet from here. That was <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, was, I was the remote. <laughs> and, there were, and there were only three stations. You and know, the only, antenna let yeah, girl out yeah, of yeah. yeah, keep touching that. Move Our, it to the I left. remember three stations. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Sure. ABC, CBS, and NBC. We yep. couldn't get M- NBC because we were lower down on the hill. That's mm-hmm. right. Yep. And uh, color TV was a huge thing. One Only one person we knew had a color TV. Mm. So, I mean, I grew up within the context of religious values and things of that sort, but no one was really religious. No one talked about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, never heard the gospel from anyone because mm-hmm. I think it was just assumed you went to church, you you know, you did your thing, right? And 
so that that was never a consideration for me, for, you know, for me. Even when I went away to college, I, there was never a time that I questioned the existence of God. That wasn't that wasn't an issue. I couldn't explain any of it. I didn't know why Jesus was hanging on the cross because in the you know Catholic Church you go into a Catholic church and Jesus is still on the cross. Oh yeah. Um, and there's a reason for that. That's why the sacrifice of the mass was you know, taking place. Jesus is sacrificed over and over and over and over again. And you needed to go through the, the priest and all that. So, uh, I mean, that, so that was my religious upbringing, mm-hmm. which was not uncommon for, any, you know, for anyone sure. growing up. So, I mean, uh, but my, my big thing uh, was, was athletics. I... I had a talent for um, strength. I was I was very athletic, um, and I went out for f- football my junior junior high school. And uh, I picked up. I don't know why I did this, uh, but my my cousin had who was interested in martial arts of the day, weightlifting and all that. He had a a, sh- a twelve pound cannonball in his in his garage hmm. and i took that up as a sport throwing the shot the shot put discus javelin long jump did all that stuff and i set my goal on being the first high school thrower to throw 70 feet in the shot okay the record at the time was 69 feet three inches by dallas long and uh, so, in 1964, I picked up a magazine that had Dallas Long's routine, his strength, his his exercise routine, the weightlifting he did, and so forth. And I copied that. I lifted in my basement, had no coaching, and um, actually did through f- farther than he did my sophomore and, and, and junior year. And used to I used to hold the Pennsylvania state wow. record record in the shot. I was li- I was fifth in the nation my my senior year. That was the first year someone threw seventy feet. I I didn't do it, but these two other guys did. And uh, but I trained a fellow who lived up on the, lived up the street, and uh, he was he's four years younger than I am, and he was uh, he was Pennsylvania state champ three years in a row, sophomore, junior, and senior, and he was national champ his senior year. He threw 70 feet his senior year. Uh, he was the first high school thrower to throw 70 feet with a 12-pound in high school and then 70 feet with a 16-pound. God, I can't imagine throwing 16-pound, well, yeah, yeah. 70 feet. Yeah, pick up a bowling ball and try to like, try to push it, you know, 70 feet. I don't feet. even like to roll it. I know. <laughs> I know. It's true. <laughs> so, but, uh, so that was, that was essentially my life. But when I finally got to college, I, I don't know if you, if you haven't studied the sport, I mean, Randy Matson, who ended up throwing 70 feet with a 16-pound shot, he was seven feet, five and a half. Uh, he was six, six five and a half, oh, weighed wow. 265 yeah, pounds. Sure. Every physical advantage yeah. is going to matter. And the guy today, Ryan Clouser, who's six seven, yeah, I just three, watched him do that. 300 yeah. and some. It wasn't in the car. It wasn't in my in the cards physically for me to be able to do that. Sure. And so, but I was on an athletic scholarship, and I did my thing. And uh, but I was I was drifting through college. I mean, I I did enough to keep my scholarship, mm. um, and I really I just drifted. And I got to my 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 senior year. Here I was. You know, what what, what am I going to do? And then I don't know how far you want me to go into all this without any questions or anything, but... You just tell us your story. I'm so interested. Well, 
Yeah, what do you think is neat? I I I grew I I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. I knew some friends at uh, uh, at the University of Pittsburgh, and there was a everything seems to happen to me in a pub. Although I didn't drink, it was kind of funny. Um, and I, I there was a, a a bar called the Wooden Keg in Oakland, where the University of Pittsburgh is. It's where Forbes Field used to be, where the Pirates used to play, where Bill Mazeroski hit that you know ninth. Uh, Ninth inning, seventh game, walk off yes. home run. Forbes Forbes Field. Uh, uh, that's that's right where University of Pittsburgh is. Okay, so I'm in the wooden keg, and this I hear my name, and is and David Antle. I I don't know if David's <laughs> going to listen to this. Uh, I, I've never seen I've, I've never seen him. Uh, I hadn't seen him since well, probably elementary school. And he had a full beard and so forth. I immediately recognized his voice. And we just kind of reminisced and went out for pizza and so forth. And he was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Remember, I'm in Kalamazoo, Michigan, where Western Michigan University is. I'm on the track team. During the indoor season, we'd go to Ann Arbor for meets. So I said, hey, when I'm up there for a meet, let's get together. And he said, that's great. And I had another friend in Ann Arbor, Bill Doty, uh, and... I get to Ann Arbor and I'm driving and I'm I'm I, I located David Antle. Uh, he took me he uh, took me to the to the the oh, we're right, riding down the road. I'm trying to find this other guy, Bill you know, Bill Doty, and we're, we're going to a traffic signal. Ann Arbor, Michigan, is no small town, mm-hmm. and Bill Doty's car had just pulled to the traffic light in front of us. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in Dave Antle's car. There's Bill Doty. I couldn't find him in all of Ann Arbor, and I can't remember why I wasn't able to to find him. I wouldn't have just started searching for him. But anyway, we're at this traffic light, and I said, "That's Bill Doty." So I said goodbye to David Antle. I've never seen him again. <laughs> I get into the car with Bill Doty, and uh, Bill took me to the track meet, and then. I, you know, we were just reminiscing and so forth. Went to another pub, and missed my bus back to Kalamazoo. And we just he spent he had been reading the late great Planet Earth mm-hmm. book. Now my remember I'm drifting. I don't know what's going on. I didn't know much about the Bible when you when you raised Roman Catholic. You used remember Saint Joseph's Missal. You it was a it was kind of a guide guide through worship services. So you never really knew the Bible. I didn't know the Bible. I wasn't so much interested in the eschatology. I was just interested in, I finally heard the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so I go back. He drives me back to uh, 715 Village Street. I'll never forget that. Uh, filled with a drug dealer. Um, it was a, like, yeah, a colorful location. Oh, it was. It was <laughs> Kalamazoo it, it, at its it, finest. It was some, a guy who looked like Charles Manson. Yeah, but that's not the drug dealer. That's, a different uh, that's guy. not the. That's a different guy. <laughs> that's a different, I just wanted to point this out. Guy. There is a disassembled uh, car engine on the kitchen table. Uh, there are dishes. Normal. There are dishes dishes in the sink that hadn't been cleaned for who knows how long. So mold is growing over all. <laughs> nice. So, so. so I just have a question: Is it worse if there's a drug dealer that looks like Charles Manson, or a drug dealer and a guy that looks like Charles Manson? <laughs> I can't decide. The, the drug dealer was a pretty nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> They're salesmen. All things considered. Yeah, all things considered. They're yes. salesmen. That's yeah. exactly right. Um, and <laughs> it's 
so I'm I'm in this con- I'm in this in this I didn't know any of these guys. Uh, I just I saw something on the on a bulletin board with you know those, the little things you know room for rent and you have the little tags that are you know the little pieces yep. of paper you rip them off down over yep. there. And it was close enough, and uh, I, w- I, I was so I, I come back to that. I come back to that, you know, left with no, you know, n- no mentoring at all. I'm right in the midst of all this stuff, and of course, trying to share what little little faith I had. I didn't. I didn't know much. I just knew that you know I was fundamentally changed to to some degree. And there was another fellow there too who. Uh, uh, he had kind of had a similar experience and we kind of bonded and, you know, we shared things and so forth. So, I mean, that was, uh, and so in that, in that context, that's where I, I became, I became a Christian. This was 19, this was 1973, 1973. And, um, I graduated, ended up going back to Pittsburgh. Um, I still had to do, uh, some student teaching in Pittsburgh, and I did that. And then, at the time, I was dating this, kind of dating this girl whose parents had moved to Stewart, Florida. And my mother's, my mother's boss had retired. My mother worked in a fine jewelry department at Macy's. And her boss had retired. He needed somebody to drive his car to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. So I'm in Pittsburgh, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Yeah, do pretty, the math. Pretty long, pretty long drive. But <laughs> Pittsburgh at that time, remember, this is the Steel City. That's why the Steelers are called the Steelers. Steelers. It's not because they steal things; it's because <laughs> it's it's the it's the uh, they're the best it, football it, team. Yeah, they, they yeah, at the time they weren't, but uh, <laughs> but so still aren't. I, the steel industry had moved out. Jobs were not that weren't that great. Although I did. I, I did have a job offer from Westinghouse, which was in was in in Pittsburgh. Uh, the, the Westinghouse was uh, George Westinghouse invented the uh, the air brake yes, on, for on, the train. trains. Mm-hmm. So, also I, he funded Nikola Tesla. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. that was like Nikola Tesla's second stop. There. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He yeah. And, uh, and Tesla and Edison, AC, the DC thing. Boy, that's they right. written loggerheads over that. So I ended up driving this car down there, and I I stopped at uh, this girl's parents' house uh, apartment, and then then they drove me to uh, follow me to Fort Lauderdale because I had to drop this car off, and I dropped that car off, and I providentially I ended up moving within a few blocks of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. I've heard of Coral Ridge. Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, the senior pastor was Dr. D. James Kennedy. Oh, yes, D. James Kennedy. And he was, he was quite the guy. Mm-hmm. And he, he was a Arthur— Is that the Glass Cathedral guy? No. No, that's, that's a different Schuller. Schuller. That's Schuller. a California. So, Dr. Kennedy was a Arthur Murray— uh, dance studio instructor at the time he he and he was a carouser drinking and so forth and he, he had the radio on once one sunday morning and donald gray barnhouse came on the radio and presented the gospel and dr kennedy became a christian and he went to columbia theological seminary and he took over this church in fort lauderdale that was between two firehouses and he was quite the theologian, and I think he, because of his preaching, the congregation dwindled from fifty to eight. 
And sounds hey, successful. Yeah, it was real successful. He, <laughs> maybe he danced a little too much in the pulpit. I don't. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but he came. But so he ended up. Uh, there was another fellow uh, that he, I think, he knew from seminary called Kennedy Smart. And Dr. Kennedy always talked about that this he was the smart Kennedy. <laughs> but doc, but Kennedy Smart came to to uh, Dr. Kennedy and said. Look, you need to go out and you know you need to present the gospel to people. That's that's what you should be about. You need to bring people into this thing. So Kennedy Smart had developed this basic gospel presentation where you went up to somebody and you asked them if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would go? Um, and most people would say, well, no. But I and they said, well, if you were to die tonight and you stood before God and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? Then people started giving these answers. Well, I was a pretty good person, you know, on and on and on. And then from that, there was a little procedure you went through in presenting the gospel to them. Mm -hmm. And you followed this procedure, and you didn't let them get you off track. That was the key to this thing. Because people would say, like we were discussing yeah, theology framing. tonight. You know, well, what about this? What we, I'll get back to that, but let me, let me go finish this first. And so he built that church up to a, um, an unbelievable size mm -hmm. over the years. A great go, radio show, actually. Yeah, he was uh, one, one of the one of the most. Uh, well, I mean, I'll stay on track here. I like the yeah, let's stay on okay. track. So <laughs> we're known uh, for that. I'm I'm, I'm in Fort. Uh, so I'm I'm in Fort Lauderdale. I don't know where to go to church, uh, even though I was in the kind of like a couple blocks away from Coral Ridge. I prayed one night and I said, Lord, because I somebody I met somebody and they took me to some kind of crazy church and I, not, I, I although I didn't know much about much but I knew I didn't like that yeah <laughs> and so I prayed and uh, I was staying in a, a complex of, of three apartments attached apartments and I'm listening to this young woman Tony Fern Tony is out there presenting the gospel to my landlady and I went out and I, I introduced myself. I said, my name is Gary DeMar. I just got into Fort Lauderdale. I've been there only like a week or so. And I had no car. I, I've got a bicycle to get around. And uh, I said, well, I'd like to know where to go to church. And she says, I got the perfect church for us. Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church is right around the corner. And then from that, here I am, a college graduate, working in a grocery store down in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, and... I ended up, in order to get close to this, I decided I, I, I quit my job and became a custodian at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. If you ever go to Fort Lauderdale, 5555 North Federal Highway, you will see this church with an enormous cathedral-type uh, edifice that goes up, it's like 300 and some feet up into the air. Mm -hmm. I, I, I've been up to that very top of that, and you could see downtown Fort Lauderdale from it. But Dr. Kennedy built that church into you know th thousands of people, and that evangelism explosion program has been used all around the world. And we on Sundays we would go to the beach uh, and uh, uh, witness to people, go up to them and just ask them those questions and so forth. And mm -hmm. you had two people, you had two two trainers, and then you were a trainee, and you'd learn and eventually learn the series. Yeah, and so that was my introduction to. You know, kind of church life and so forth, and then from there, um, someone said I should go to se <laughs> I should go to seminary. Here I was, a Christian, not even a year, and oh, Gary, you ought to go to seminary. So I ended up going to Reformed Theological Seminary in Jackson, Mississippi, and then graduated from there in 1979. And I've been in the Atlanta 
Atlanta, Georgia area ever since. Now, you told me earlier you ended up in Asheville. Yes. For a little time. And that's before, that's while you were in seminary? Yeah, that- I was in seminary. The first year, and what you had to do is you had to do two summer internships of three months each. And, and they would place you. And uh, there was a request from G. Aiken Taylor, who was the editor of the Presbyterian Journal. Now, at the time, this is the early 1970s, the Presbyterian Church in America, the PCA, had just gotten started. So there were still a lot of conservatives in the Southern Presbyterian Church, and the Presbyterian Journal was their vehicle of conservatism. And so this came out every week. And so uh, Dr. Taylor worked on that, plus he pastored this church, Trinity Presbyterian Church, that met at the Grove Park Inn. We had, they gave us a room down in the, in the dungeon in the basement, uh, <laughs> and uh, we had church services every, every Sunday. And so, and Aiken asked me to stay on for another, another year. And I felt I needed to do that because, like I say, I was as green as can be and didn't know anything. And he was a, he was a, he was a very, very good. He, he says, too many of these guys coming out of seminary, all they want to do is preach and teach and tell, you know, they, they don't pastor. He was really big on pastoring. And uh, so I, I, I learned that. And as a result of that, I knew God didn't call me to the pastorate because I wouldn't have made a good pastor. Say nothing teaches you how to not be a pastor than being a pastor, yes. right? Oh, exactly. I had to, I had to visit some someone in the church every day. Yeah, I could visit five people a day or one person. I had to do that and report and re- report. I just meet with them. most of them were older, older, older people. Uh, my wife would have been a great a pastor's wife, but you know it's. Um, that, that was that. So I went back to seminary eventually 15, 15 months later and graduated in uh, 79. But there I met um, Dr. Greg Bonson, who taught apologetics mm-hmm. um, and, and eschatology. Ken Gentry, a lot of people if, on the eschatology side of things. Uh, uh, David Chilton was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Jordan. A lot of people don't know Jim Jordan, but uh, Jim Jordan was there as well. Made a lot of great, great connections while I was in seminary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was the assistant manager in the bookstore, which is really where I got my education. I was, you know, learning books and things to read and things to study and so forth. So that's – and then from there, we ended up moving to Atlanta, Georgia in 1979. We've been there ever since. Well, Marietta, Georgia, which is just north of Atlanta. Right. So from from this point, you finished seminary school. You're not going to be a pastor. Um, so – where do you go from there? Like, what what did you do? So, take us from seventy nine to the present. Like, well, obviously, there's a lot, but please, you know, okay. the, uh, I won't. The story of Greg Bonson leaving RTS. That's a long story, but uh, Greg Bonson was going to move to the Atlanta area, area to work with uh, Joe Moorcraft at Calcedon Presbyterian Church, and they're going to start a seminary there. And that whole thing fell through at the last minute. And Carol and I are thinking, what are we going to do? We had already pretty much committed. And so it was time to kind of look for a job. Mm-hmm. And Carol, was, Carol had worked as an uh, elementary school teacher, uh, and she was a top-notch elementary school teacher. And as a result of that, she ended up getting a job with uh, uh, Macmillan Publishing Company as a reading consultant. So she had a great resume, and she sent her resume into this Christian school, and this is going to sound funny, but the name of the school is the high school school, 
H-E-I-S-K-E-L-L. So it sounds like the high school school, but it's the high school school. Got it. Okay. Got it. okay. So it, the ma- I, you know, the male, it was just like she, Mrs. High School got the, and it was a for-profit school. This was not one of the, this was not a, a private school or church school. This was a school that the, that the high school family actually made money on. Um, and so we got a call from Mrs. High School and said, when can you come over to, to, for an interview? And I, 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 this weekend? Okay, so we drove all night from, from Jackson, Mississippi to Atlanta, Georgia, stayed at the high school home, got there that evening, got up the next morning, had breakfast. And uh, they, they went over Carol's, uh, Carol's resume and all of that. And, and I don't know why I said this uh, or any, I, and why I told them this, but my undergraduate degree is in physical education because uh-huh. I, want, I wanted to coach at the college level. And I had coached and to coach this kid in high school that threw seventy feet and all that sort of thing, and coached weightlifting and and so forth. And they said, "Carol, you're hired now, Gary. We need a PE teacher <laughs> because those that can't do teach, yeah. and those that can't teach teach gym." Well, <laughs> that's, a Jack Black. that's a Jack Black. It yeah. was worse than that. <laughs> I had to teach first and second and third graders. Oh. P.E. Oh, wow. Did you have little things that, that had four wheels and you'd sit on them? They were like those things that would be furniture movers. Yeah. And you'd like of, kick uh, yourselves around a gym. Or play crab well, soccer. They, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. the one you got on your belly and you yeah. did this. I my, love that stuff. My youngest son who went, who, who went there, he's, how old is James now? I think 37 or 38 years old. He was a demon on that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you should have seen him tear around the gym. But we, but we didn't have any children at, at, at the time. So I was... I was a lonely. I was a great PE teacher because I really taught PE. Mm-hmm. I didn't teach. You know, I mean, they were doing obstacle courses. You know, they were doing all this stuff. They yeah. learned. I mean, they learned physical. Did you have uh-huh. tires buried halfway in the ground? <laughs> no, not that was the tire thing. Wasn't a thing back then. Well, we were. That's all we had here. Oh. Like we, you know, we had tires and poles. Uh, yeah. that's, yep. <laughs> so we I didn't t- have a monkey bar. So in the. In the morning, I would teach first, second, third grade PE, and then I would go up the road to the the high school, and I would teach Bible, Christian worldview, and so forth. Mm. But uh, that was no, that was a great great experience. Uh, in fact, we we had to do this. Um, uh, all the teachers had to do a a program every year. So every you know they it was parents loved it. Well, I had to do a program too. And I had seen what they had done in the past with these programs, and I said, I'm not doing that. That's just so silly. So I, I was really good at picking teams and setting teams up and so forth. So I, I and this is, all, this is all before th- all of this stuff here. Mm-hmm. I ended up having uh, a fairly good record connection, co- collection, and I recorded on cassettes, um, Flight of the Bumblebee, uh, William Tell Overture, and so forth. And I forget, I think, was it Can Can? I can't remember the other third one. And I recorded these things and put them in a loop. So I got, and these parents, and the parents are packed in this (laughs) this Uh gym. And I got these relays set up between these classes. And um, I had my tape tape player play this over the the loudspeaker while this, in the gym, and these these parents, they're up on their feet, yelling and screaming. It was the best, oh, that <laughs> best, experience, fun. <laughs> best yeah. experience 
Um, but Carol always laughs, you know, you know, Mr. DeMar, will you tie my shoe? And they'd hug, you know, hug you. I mean, these are first, second, and you know, third graders. I mean, you're not a whole lot they can do. Right. I had a, some has some that were really, really good athletes. But it was all of this was all of this was great training for me and what I'm doing now on communication and all that. Right. It's so incredible I, how if you understand children, you kind of understand adults yeah, too. Yeah. 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 yeah, people want, you know, I, I've never been criticized by anybody about, I don't understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do write, I do write for me, you know, in, in, in one sense, because I'm not, I'm not a scholar, I'm a popularizer. And so, I, and so at the, at, the, at the real high school, I, the guy came in, Steve Schiffman, and he was talking about America's Christian history. And, um, he was looking for some writers. So another fellow and I ended up kind of doing some writing on the side for him. And eventually he hired me to do uh, work. And that's when I started working, writing God and Government. And then I eventually became president of the company a couple of years later. So mm-hmm. that's, I've been with American Vision since 1981. Oh, okay. Wow. So 40, 41 years. Yeah. Wow. So that's where you began your writing career i began with the we we published we published a uh we did a uh audio tape called the american vision 360 years later which was a script uh it was um narrated sound effects it was it was professionally produced up in in new york won an angel award at the time we have since turned it into a, a video um and that was my first foray into writing script writing and and, and editing and so forth mm-hmm. we we took a script that was like an hour and a half long and brought it down to 30 minutes and uh then i started working on the god and government first volume and i wrote that out by hand this is you know, remember this is oh, before wow, yeah. this is before computers uh they, they were they were out but they were really expensive and they didn't do a whole lot right so you had the Oregon you, Trail, basically. Yeah, straight down. Yeah, 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 right. I don't even consumption. know if it would have been quite Oregon Trail yeah, yet. I don't think. Yeah, Oregon Trail. What didn't come out until my my kids were. were yeah. Around. So that man. was that was uh, 1985, 1984. Was it? Yeah. So so this was, Oregon Trail. Yeah, I was on an Apple IIe in 1984. So this is 1980. This would have been 1981. Oh, okay, so prior to this, yeah. yeah. So Forbes is, or not Forbes, <laughs> but uh. What's his jobs? They're still in the garage. They're in a garage. Yeah, somewhere. him and Wozniak are hanging out in the garage. In 1981, I had a Commodore 64. Oh, oh I remember. Uh, we didn't have that kind of money. Brown. <laughs> we, I built a Tandy, you know, five and a quarter floppy for the hard drive and one for the RAM. Wow. And you'd type your own. Well, the one I had had an eight inch, eight inch oh, disc, 360 yeah. K. That was it. Man. And it did. That's, <laughs> but, but I was I, I was two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I was I think I was four. Okay. Yeah. So so I wrote this thing out by hand. I I would write a question and I would answer the question. Then I had to say get somebody to type it. And this is to tell you how the how the publishing industry has changed dramatically. So you take you know take that you had to go to a typesetter. The typesetter would typeset it. That means they had to retype it in. Um, and then they'd send you galleys, and you proofread that, read, read those, and then you got to send that back, and they make corrections. You keep doing that until you finally get what you want, and it was really expensive. And then you had to find a paste-up artist who would paste those up on boards. 
Mm-hmm. And then you had to then had to find all the images to go into that. You'll notice there are hundreds of images in there. They had to find the images. They had to be sized. No Google. Where do you no, even find it, images? I know. Isn't that something? Yeah. Where do it, you find images? There are Microfiche. actually Im- there are actually uh, image services out there. You wow. know, you'd be surprised how and they're, many. And, they're, and they want your business very desperately right now. They want your business. Every museum has an image service. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, uh, libraries have, uh, Library of Congress is one of the best. It's free. Yeah. And a lot of those things you can download free now. But you had, had to get all of those things. I mean, it was a real job, really, sure. to you know to, to do all that. Today, you type it up, scan images, place them in there, InDesign, da da, do all this, columns, da, t- headers, for, uh, all that. Send them a PDF, and you got yourself a book in a you know in a week. Wow! I mean, you had to, you had to print about three thousand books back then just to make it. So uh, you could break even. Yeah. Well, and just, how many people were probably involved in that process at that point? Yeah, quite a, quite a, you know, a lot. A I, lot I, of man I hours. I do it all myself now. Yeah. I mean, I'm just doing it all by myself. A ton of wow. man hours and a bunch of different specialists. Yeah. Now you can do it at home. Yeah, I can, that's right. I can get a, I could get a book type typeset if I do it myself and get a book typeset in a day. Wow. I, I, I could have the thing already ready to go in a PDF format and sell it, sell it online or give it on uh, online in the next day. Wow. I'm not going to book, baby. I'm calling you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's all, it's, it's all changed. Now, it, I mean, this, what we're doing here was in, inconceivable. Right. You're right. I yeah, mean, podcasting is. That was a radio show. Yeah, the ready access to it and the recorded media, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't, a lot of people just don't, I, I do this, when I go out and speak somewhere, I, I, some um, old man talk, but yeah, I love some it. Old, yeah, old, that's right, old man talk. So I, <laughs> I bring, I bring what looks like a toilet paper roll. And I open, pull off the top of it, and I pull this black r- plastic roll out. I thought I, he was going to do a push-up. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. Yeah. And I put this up there, and I said, "Do you know what this is?" And these kids don't know what it is. And I said, "This was the. This is what a record used to look like." But you don't even know what a record is, right? And uh, as you, they if you, do now. If you it's do, yeah, because it's back. The vinyl's coming back. And but I said, not those little tubes he's talking no. about. Yeah. The Edison, the Edison phone became a big, big deal, and that was accidental. Do you know what the first thing ever recorded on one of those was? What hath God wrought? That was uh, Samuel F. B. Morris. Oh, Morris Code. That's right. Mary had a little lamb. It's Thomas Edison's voice. Mary had a little lamb. Ah. So I put that up there, and then I pull out, uh, you know, and I this when I did this, I pull out an iPod, and I said, "Do you know how many songs you can get on this thing right here? Like forty thousand songs, and you got this one thing, and they're both the same size." Yeah. And I said, "Now you don't even need iPod. You can you can uh, just Spotify." Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I mean, cloud. Everything's this, in the cloud. All of this has just dramatically changed, which. And a lot of Christians think, well, this is all of the devil, and this is you know typical of them. This is all of the devil. Mm-hmm. But you know, the gospel went on the Roman roads. I mean, they, the Romans built the roads, and they 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 controlled the Mediterranean, and the gospel moved through these things that were created by other people. I used to like to say, if God had a wanted man to fly, he would have taught him to build planes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, I mean, so from what I did in high school. To what I'm doing today is just. In fact, one of my one of my comments on my high school transcript is, "Gary is not college material," <laughs> and I have to say, <laughs> I have to say, That's I wasn't. 
<laughs> I wasn't college material, mm -hmm. but I struggled. I mean, I went through, I wrote a book called Surviving College Successfully. And I wrote a book called Memory Mechanics. And I used all those things to help me because I have a horrible, horrible memory. Uh, and uh, <laughs> Surviving College Successfully. successfully. Van yeah. Wilder. Yeah. No, no, no. No, <laughs> <laughs> no Chris, that was Van Wilder. That sounds right. <laughs> Wow. So, so I mean, where we are today as Christians and what's available to us uh, is, uh, you, know, uh, you know, amazing. You know, I get, someone will send me an email from Australia. How do I get your book? It's too expensive. I said, oh, I sent them a PDF. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, I mean, get what? it instantly. Yeah, inst yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can do anything with this stuff. And Christians need to quit, you know, talking about gloom and doom. I, you know, Gorb uh, Mikhail Gor Gorbachev just, just died away. Yeah, at 91. Yeah. Well, I've got books in my library where he was the Antichrist. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is where, anytime, you know, anytime someone burps in the Middle East, you know, it's the end of the world. Right. You know, something happened and so forth. But uh, fortunately, I did not get sucked into all that. Very early on, I, I, I was able to, we mentioned at, at, at dinner, um, a, a book by Mar Marcellus Kick, K-I-K, who had written this book in 1948, just on Matthew 24. And his methodology was simple, compare scripture with scripture. And that book was trans transformational for me mm -hmm. uh, because that's what I was learning in my seminary classes, but no one really had done it the way Marcellus Kick had done it. So when did you read that? I was in seminary. Uh, uh, remember, the 1970s is when Late Great Planet Earth came out. Yeah, let's put it in context for, for Andy because Andy doesn't know what the Late Great Planet Earth uh, no, is. Nope, I don't. So You, you don't? No, he does okay. not. But I do, because they were everywhere when we were kids. Have you ever read Sarita? Have you ever read it? No. I think I still oh, have I have no copy. idea what you're talking about. Yeah, would you mind explaining it to them? Hal Lindsey was a Dallas Theological Seminary graduate. Uh, he was in Merle Unger's class. And this stuff is really uh, Merle Unger stuff, but Hal Lindsey got a really good writer and turned all of his prophecy stuff into a very readable book mm -hmm. called The Late Great Planet Earth. And it was published in 1970, and it sold around 28 million copies. So it was like prophecy. It was. Oh, yeah, it was. All end times prophecy. Okay. Uh -huh. And you know, Russia was the end time bad guy. Of course it was. And he made, he, he made this Still comment. are. Huh? <laughs> they still are. They take turns with other people. Yeah. Yeah, it would, you know, in fact, one of the the um, the titles of one of the chapters is "Russia is a Gog," mm. and we were talking mm. about Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine, and how Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine is about supposedly Russia invading Israel. Right. But he puts this book out, and he kind of made a prediction. In the original hardback on page fifty four, I think fifty four or fifty five, he has this statement about Matthew chapter 24, verse 34, where it says, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Mm -hmm. And he said, a generation was 40 years. And so Israel became a nation again in 1948. You add, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And so you add 40 to 1948. So everything was supposed to come to oh, an end right. by 1988. Right. Remember, Remember like the Edgar yeah. 88 Reasons? 88 Reasons oh, okay. Why the Rapture is in 1988. That's why. And I okay. debated Edgar Wisnett. Oh, you did? Oh, I did, yes. And, and <laughs> he was an engineer, not really a debater. He was a NASA. He said it was a NASA engineer. Yeah. 
He must have been on the Apollo 13. That that's what he was. Houston, we have a problem. <laughs> Edgar, Edgar, where are you, Edgar? <laughs> so uh, it, on that debate I had with him, he said, he says, if I'm wrong about this, the Bible is wrong. That's what Edgar Wisnett said. That's brave. And then yeah. he comes out with a book. I was wrong by one year because of the transference from B.C. to A.D. You yep. forgot the da-da-da-da-da-da-da. The eighty nine threes. Yeah, what do you what do you what do you think the odds are he knew he had a year to sell that book? <laughs> <laughs> well, well he got one year. Yeah. I have to say though, he get, he a lot of them were just given away. Oh but, yeah, but but here, Hal Lindsey, he was interviewed by by a guy named Ward Gasquay in nineteen seventy seven, and the Gasquay said, "Well, uh, Hal, what what happens if you're wrong?" He says, "Well, there's." A, just a split second difference from be from being a a, a hero or a bum, hmm. and I, he says, "I guess I'll be a bum." Well, that was 1977. 1988 is gone. The year 2000 is gone, and Hal Lindsey's still doing his thing, and other people like him, David Jeremiah, uh, a lot of these other guys. Grant, uh, did Grant Jeffrey have anything to do with Hal Lindsey or anything? Because I know Grant Jeffrey did like the Prince of Darkness and yeah, the End Time Prophecies. They were all. They, it was the Chuck Smith. They were all into the same type of thing. Dave Hunt. Yeah, they were all into this. Um, uh, Lindsey was the one that did the nineteen forty eight. 1988, 40-year generation. Chuck Smith did the same thing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Halley's comment, comment. Uh, I mean, all, all of this stuff was 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 really really big back you know back then. Sure. And then things seemed to have di- things died a little bit. Then Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins come out with the whole Left, Left Behind, Behind series. series, right? So yeah, and exploded it. So that was my foray into in you know into all of this. Sure. Um, so from the get go. Though you were a preterist, I didn't know what the word that word was never used. Right. Actually, all I the only position I came out and said, well, I think all the things in Matthew chapter twenty four, at least up through verse thirty four, were fulfilled before that generation passed away. That's all any of us were saying. Um, preterism was not a a word that we used. Right. Um, I I don't even know if I ever heard it in seminary. Although it was common. I mean, if you if you if you read. Uh, Spurgeon's commenting and commentaries, and he talks about the book of Revelation. He, what it was, it was just a list of all the best commentaries in all the books of the Bible, and he would give comments about them and so forth. It's a, it's a pretty interesting book. Mm-hmm. And a lot, you see Zondervan, uh, Banner of Truth, they'll, they'll reprinted a lot of these commentaries based upon what Spurgeon had done. But he mentions the different views, and one of those views he mentions as preterist. Mm, okay. And for those of you listening on what preterist means, it means past, that these were prophecies at the time that talked about something in the future. They have already been fulfilled, therefore they're in our past. And so in- From the like, Latin word praetor. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that, I mean, 1970s was, was really, really big. Mm-hmm. And, it, and then it was kind of dying out a little bit. And then the Left Behind series stuff hit. Yeah. Like, you know, and that, that just revved things back up again. But that think about that. That was 20-some years ago. It was. But I know John Hagee and the Four Blood Moons and all that stuff, you know, if you remember, like, he's still perpetuating a lot of this stuff. Is he stuff. still doing that? I mean, I mean, how, I mean, how wrong do you have alive? to be? I don't know. John Hagee? Yeah, he is. Uh, yeah. Well, I do know that like, the Four Blood Moons, we talked about that here. You know, that was, a, that was a big one that one year. I can't remember what year it was. but And, you know— uh, you know, Col- Columbus. Columbus had an almanac. It got him out of trouble once because he was reading his almanac, 
a uh, e- eclipse of the of the moon. And he was able to use that against these native peoples. Oh, yeah, because he knew when the eclipse was. He it made it exactly. look magical. It was yeah. just based on an almanac, but yeah. they just thought, well, this guy's got some real yeah, serious magic one, yeah. here. Wow. Isn't that something? So, I mean, this is- He wouldn't have done well with the Mayans, though. I promise you. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Not for long. So, no. I mean, we can- we, it, It's not a miracle or a sign if you can- pre- if you can predict it by mathematics, right, sort of thing. Sure, uh, the things that happened at the at the time of Jesus' crucifixion, you got the, you know, the the, the plagues and so forth. You know, the, they're not coincidence events. Ten of them in the in a in a row. I mean, come on, give me a break, right? Uh, so, uh, but the blood moon. I mean, everything, any little thing, any little thing that happens. You know, when the, when Russia invades Ukraine, uh oh, Ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine comes to comes to the oh, floor it's all again. The, yeah. Do you remember me? You guys remember when I told you that, like when Russia invaded Ukraine, I said, "Get ready, YouTube's going to explode." Yeah, I remember and it for di- sure. And it ha- it still is. No, oh, I'm sure it's just exploding. Yeah. And every little move, oh, they're at the nuclear plant now. That's they're going to try to find the verse in Revelation that that fits that. You know, fits the nuclear plant always. Yes. Well, it's got yeah. And we mentioned it at dinner about if you go through Ezekiel 38 and 39, you see the Hebrew word rosh is used, which means head or chief. It's used 600 times. Like Rosh Hashanah, mm-hmm. highest holy day. Right. Uh, Netanyahu, I have a picture of Netanyahu standing at his podium. And in Hebrew, it's, it has the word Rosh because it means he's the, he's the, he's the head guy. Oh. Right. And, uh, and I won't go through all of Ezekiel 38 and 39, but just one of the interesting things in there, this invasion that comes from the north they're after gold, silver, cattle, and goods. And Hal Lindsey said, oh, that was potash. That was going to be some fertilizer. Uh, and now it's oil and gas that supposedly Israel found. But that's not what it says. It says gold, silver, cattle, and goods. And if you look at Ezra chapter 1, verse 4, what the Israelites brought back from the captivity were gold, silver, cattle, and goods. <laughs> right. Well, so, it would have been something that was valuable in that day. Yeah. Right? Gold, silver, cattle, and goods, right? People aren't, people aren't fighting wars over cattle. No. <laughs> you know, Russia, you know, uh, China is going, to, going, is going to muster a 200 million man army on horseback yes. and go to Israel. Well, we worked that out. Uh, we actually figured it out. Here's how it works, Mr. DeMar. So Chinese people in stature, three of them can fit on a single horse because okay. <laughs> there's only like 50 million horses. <laughs> oh, that's right. Remember? Uh, yeah, so what we decided right. was that in order to make it work, to have to be three and a half, three and a half Chinese people on a single horse. A little messy, but and then two horses on Yao Ming. <laughs> that's how we figured it out. So it's, it works. You just have to know how to do the math. The thing is, the, <laughs> maybe they could all come in on Mustangs or oh, Broncos that's it. or something. There it is. It's yeah. Mustangs. It's Mustangs. That's what it is. Oh my goodness! Well, I never thought of that. That's not for. That's company. not a joke because but, the weapons that are used in Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine are bows and arrows and spears. So bows and arrows, and I'm not making this up. This is not a Babylon B thing. Okay. This. The bows are missile launchers, and the arrows are missiles. Oh, that's great. And the horses are horsepower. Uh, so it could be. So Mustang 10 million horses. And the locusts wow. are helicopters. Yeah. That's right. That's exactly that. right. Yeah. Cobra, we all knew that. Cobra helicopters. We all great? knew that, Rick. So huh? you all knew we that. We all knew that. <laughs> it was obvious to us. So I'm glad you guys just, picked it out. I, if you could hear eyes roll. Yeah. Sorry, 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 no, Ralph. Uh, so, what 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 got you into studying the eschatology and then writing books about it? 
because that's a that's a leap from reading something in college and then coming out and not being a pastor and doing other things. And now all of a sudden you're studying eschatology, you're becoming a full preterist, and now you're writing books about it. Well, the I, the God and Government I wrote first, and I was interested in how how worldviews worked. I always liked I always like to know how things work. Like I'd like to spend a a day here on how you set up all this stuff. I just like to I like to know how things work. Yeah. Well, the setup's not the more interesting part. The yeah. interesting part is dealing with people. <laughs> yeah. It really is. That's yeah. why this I'd is a job learn, about dealing with people. This is why I'd really, really just like to learn about the machinery. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I'm I'm with you. Okay, so I'm so I'm I'm going out on the road and speaking on God and government stuff. Mm-hmm. And just by those of you who don't know, the God and government book is government is not synonymous with politics. Government in biblical terms is God's the sovereign governor of all things. The government, the government, singular is on his shoulders. Self-government is the most important government. Then you got family government, church government, and and, and civil government. Um, and so I, I put this book together, but I also dealt with the role that the civil magistrate plays in all this. So I would go out and speak, and invariably did somebody be in the audience saying, well, this is all interesting, but we're living in the last days. And the, the whole everything's supposed to fall apart anyway. Uh, we're trying to fix something that can't be fixed. Uh, you know, Jesus is coming soon. All the evidence is there, wars and rumors of wars and false prophets and um, uh, earthquakes and famines and you name it. It's all, it's all taking place right now. So why are we concerned about all this? So I had to deal with the eschatological argument now, I was a preterist at the time I was doing this, but that wasn't that wasn't part of my shtick at the time. Right. There was no mar- there was no market for my view back then. Right. But then I started writing articles on it. Then I wrote a series of articles and um a guy named Michael Hyatt uh I think I don't know if I sent him something or something he saw that I wrote these series of articles and he said, "Gary, can you can you write a, a book on this? And they were a new, brand new publishing house up in uh, Brentwood, Tennessee, called Wolgamuth and Hyatt. And Mike had had been with Tom, Thomas Nelson, so I wrote this book, uh, Last Day's Madness, and they published it, did very well. Published another a number of other books l- like that. <clears throat> they eventually went out of business. He eventually went back to Thomas Nelson, became president of, of Thomas Nelson for a while. I wrote a, actually I wrote a response to the Left Behind series that Thomas Nelson published, and. I, I I had to deal with the eschatological aspect of this, and so that's what I that's why I wrote Last Day's Madness was in order to deal with that sort of thing, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to be kind of uh, kind of the go to guy on this. Yeah, uh, and I got in early. You know, Ken Gentry and I got in pretty early. David Chilton and so forth. Sure, but I was on the radio a lot. I would get I would get lots of interviews and lots of debates on the radio. I debated Dave Hunt. That was a big thing. Uh, back then, he wrote that book, um, something seduction. Um, now, anyway, and uh, and we got into. I, I debated him. I forget how many times. So it I, I was at the right place at the right time for this. And but since then, the whole preterist movement has mushroomed, mm-hmm. um, and everybody has to deal with it. Every f everybody who ever writes a book or anything on it, they don't mention preterism. They'll do two things. They either won't mention preterism or, or they will mention it and just dismiss it. Right. Because they can't, they can't footnote us because if they footnote us, then people are going to go read our stuff and say, wait a minute. These, these guys are saying, they're, they're answering questions 
that I, you know, I've been asking all these years how all this stuff fits together. See, that was me. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. like, wait a minute. Yeah. The church says, have faith, have faith. And then Rick says, well, what about this? I'm like, hey, what about this? It's just that you, you can't argue with the time statements of the Bible. You just can't argue. Oh, with some that. people still do. Well, uh, I mean, yeah. I guess you can. Everybody can argue about whatever they'd like. If well, you a lot want, of people. You know. A lot of people just don't remember the time that it was written, for whom it was written, the language it was written, yeah. and then those those people weren't writing prophecy. And yes. Most people back then didn't have an education, so prophecy for them is over their head. We're writing for these people sitting right in front of us today. Yeah, you know, and Billy, you know how we've we've talked about a lot of things in here, you know, and Billy, the Olivet Discourse was one of your favorite ones you said. You really, yeah. you really liked it. Well, in Last Day's Madness— um, Mr. Damar breaks it down. You know how we we got into like what happens at the temple and the wars and the rumors of wars and what what they were and we get you know between the notes from David Curtis but also from his from his book and from his, from being you know anything he's put online. That's where that was built. It was built gotcha. from this, you know. And so knowing that all of these things actually happened in the past was like wow, you know. It was just it was incredible. And it's not a new thing. No, it's not. An, I mean, you re, you look go back at commentaries like John Lightfoot. A lot of people don't know who these people are, but they were big, big names back then. John Lightfoot, John Owen. Uh, you ever know John Bray? Oh yeah, yeah. We published his book on Matthew twenty four. Matthew twenty four fulfilled. Yeah, and uh, uh, Adam Clark, who was who was a, a Wesleyan. You have John Gill, who was a Baptist. Right. Um, it, it's amazing. You go back and look before dispensationalism came on the scene in the early part of the nineteenth uh, the, you know, century. This this was a, this was not an unusual position at all. No, and in fact, you mentioned Spurgeon earlier. I I went through the sword and trowel and found where Spurgeon was actually basically at war with John Darby and the Plymouth Brethren uh, in London at the time. You know, during his time, arguing against this as they were as dispensationalism was just taking off. Spurgeon was fighting against it. Then. Yeah, yeah, cuz Dar- you know, Dar- you read Darby, it wasn't just eschatology, it was culture stuff too. Well, why are we bothering with math and the rest of this stuff? That's too? right. Cuz it's it's none of this is polishing the brass on brass a sinking, on a sinking ship. Yeah, don't re- rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic. Right. Uh, so yeah, this this isn't anything new, but people today just don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know. They listen to popular Prophecy guys like David Jeremiah. David Jeremiah comes out with a new prophecy book every you know every year. Mark My mother in law is going to punch me right in the uh, mouth. <laughs> she loves David Jeremiah, and every time I talk to her about anything, the first thing that she gives me is a David Jeremiah book. <laughs> it's true, but guess what? I still love you. Give, send me the book. I probably have it. I'll write a response. What in the to world David is going and, on? And you can send. Yeah, I've got that one. You've got that I've one. I've got them all. She handed it to me. What in the world's going on? And then, yeah, uh, I do enjoy David Jeremiah's um, study on Judges. It's very interesting when he's in the Old Testament. He's there's really nobody better, actually. But it's his eschatology. Yeah, he's wild. All of these guys. Yeah, they're. I mean, they didn't get where they are just on the eschatology. No, they're brilliant. Stuff. I mean, of course, Dallas Theological Seminary pumped them all out, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's but they, there have been some defections there. Now they have this thing called progressive dispensationalism. I saw that. But Ken yeah. Gentry, you know, Ken Gentry was a dispensationalist. Yeah, uh, and a lot of these guys. Well, you know, it's amazing. Oh yeah, I used to be a dispensationalist. That's what people say. I I wasn't. I was just initiated to on the basis of a late great planet Earth. But I had other issues, and eschatology wasn't one of them. Sure, I had a lot in my life to get 
in order, right. and that was that was that was much more important than eschatology. I do have something I want to share with you, though. It's the in, most interesting thing, like you just said. Um, uh, we just recently had our plumbing redone throughout our whole home. Okay, and while I'm sitting there, the plumber's in there, and I'm actually watching the Gary Demar show. It's on. I have it on YouTube. If you guys want to see it, go to YouTube. Look up the Gary Demar show. It's great. He's got all kinds of like 10, 15 minute uh, blurbs on whatever it was. You know, is Gary Demar a demon? There, that's one of them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And he was like, "Is Gary Demar a demon?" But seriously, question mark. You know. But so I was watching it, and the guy, the the plumber, walks by. And you don't expect this. He walks by and he says, oh, you know, Gary DeMar. And I was like, I sure do. He's like, oh, that's awesome. He said, I'm a full preterist. And I was like, wow. I said, <laughs> what are the odds? What? And he was like, really? I was like, where do you go to church? He said, Trinity Baptist Church. I said, that's not even possible. Really? <laughs> that's, that's Ralph Sexton's church. And I was like, uh, that doesn't yeah. even make any sense to me. And he's like, oh, my father is too. He's down in Georgia. And I was like, Really? Like he's in, so you, he's like, yeah, my father is too. And I was like, well, I don't understand. Like, how do you reconcile? He goes, well, what are you? And I was like, I, I, I am too. And he goes, where do you go to church? And I was like, <laughs> oh, this little local and right up the street. <laughs> we don't really have many churches to go to, but it was just shocking to me. And I thought, I wonder how many people are like closeted. Preterist, you know? <laughs> I, I, actually, I was not closeted. No. It was actually, just like, I, I am a preterist. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But he wouldn't have said it. He wouldn't have said it. If the Gary DeMar show wasn't on my TV when you walked through the that's house. That's true. What were you saying, Sarita? I apologize. Uh, there's a pastor that I, I know here in, I, I now live down in South Carolina, but um, I know him from here, from living here. And uh, he's got a little church in Mills River. And he put on his Facebook page, it was bizarre. He put on his Facebook page maybe two or three weeks ago and said, don't know how many of y'all know this, but I'm a partial preterist. <laughs> and I went, <laughs> Before I met this guy, I'd never even yeah, heard the word exactly, exactly. other than like the preterite of a sentence, like find the preterite right. of a sentence. But um, I was, it was bizarre. And so, you know, I was just reading the comments under it, but uh, I didn't expect that because he. Yeah, I, I bet most of his congregation his, doesn't know what the word means. Probably yeah. not. You're, I don't even know right. what the preterite of a sentence is, so. <laughs> did you I, not I never did. Oh, take, I did. I don't know what it means. Latin or I know what a Spanish. predicate is. Actually, I don't. <laughs> I've just heard yeah, it. I don't either. I know what a predicate nominative. Next to the verb. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, my my wife used to work with me at American Vision. She answered the phones and did research and got a lot of the images and so forth. And people would call in and say that Gary Demar's the Antichrist. I'm telling my wife this. Yeah. And of course, she never let on who she, who she was <laughs> and so forth. It was kind of funny. But the last Saturday, I went. Um, I've got nine grandchildren and my one one family. As the, the, the five of them, three of them are cross country meet, and I'm going there and I'm talking to a fellow I hadn't seen in about 20 years. His kids go to, with my grandkids, and they go to school, and there's this guy standing there. And I know he wanted to kind of get in on this conversation that we're having, but he was being polite and all that. And I didn't want to hear, I hadn't seen this guy for 20 years, and all of a sudden break the conversation. And then later on, I saw him, and um, he said, Are you, are you Gary DeMar? And I said, Yeah. He said, uh, I, th I thought I heard your voice. He, he was, so yeah. he, he recognized me on the basis of my voice. And yeah. then the next day in church, this, one of the members of the church came over and said, there's a couple over here, their family, they want to meet you. They came here because you mentioned Midway Presbyterian Church as a good church, and they came to the church and so forth. So, uh, I mean, it, from when I started doing this from today, it's just been 
it's 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 been it has mushroomed far far beyond anything we could have imagined. Absolutely, well, I don't a, use I don't sorry, use Google. Ahead. I use another duck, search. Duck, I use DuckDuckGo. <laughs> when I DuckDuckGo, you're so you, conservative, man. I know. When I DuckDuckGo, you, your your site comes up, and I think the American Vision site right. comes up. The third one was from the Southern Poverty Law, Law Center, Center. That, oh, where they call yeah. you an extremist. Yeah, <laughs> an yeah. extremist. I am. I, I was am. like, I like this guy already. <laughs> He's an yeah. extremist. Okay. And we've been black. You know, we don't. We can't get a PayPal account. We can't. There's really? A, really? a lot of things we can't, we who, can't do. Who, who is responsible for that? Because PayPal doesn't care unless somebody does something. Oh, yeah, well, what they all they do is they go to the Southern Poverty Law Center and they uh-huh. just go to the Southern. You know, they, they canceled my account. And the, the, an hour later, they canceled my wife's account. PayPal That's did. ridiculous. Uh, so this this That's goes this goes on. We have to do all these workarounds in order to you know to to do things. And well, they said it was because of your extreme anti LGBTQ. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's oh well, that's true. different then. That was a very yeah. That doesn't have anything to do with your preterist view yeah. at all. See, they don't understand. Yeah. That's much more dangerous to them than being anti-LGBT. Mm. It really is. Yeah. They're real content with the whole dispensational end of the world stuff. We don't need to get involved stuff. Right. They don't like us. They don't know this yet, that it's because we're trying to say, hey, Christians, you need to get involved. You need to change, you need to change the culture. You need to get, get people, you know, you need to get civil government back in its proper role, its proper place. Get it back to its limitations, its juris- jurisdictions, proper jurisdictions, and the exercise of those jurisdictions. Yeah. Now, all this goes together. Eschatology is a part of all of this, and because every worldview has an eschatology, every Islam has an eschatology, atheists have an eschatology. Uh, every, I'm curious, what would an atheist eschatology be, Andy? Would you? Like I, to- I don't even understand. To find the word for me, because I understand in it in the form. How is the no, end no, of the not nece- no. Oh, okay. Eschatology okay, yeah. is not right. necessarily end times. All right. Eschatology deals with how one views the future. Okay. That's that's the important thing. Uh-huh. So if you read the literature of famous atheists, I mean, and today they're much more outspoken on this, is that they they well, it's happening already. They want to silence, they want to silence anything regarding religion. Uh, they think you know, they you got the Americans United for Separation of Church and State, the ACLU, uh, these organizations fight, you know, you you can't. Somebody has a um, doesn't even have a prayer in school. Just, just having things up in the classroom. Well, I, I understand people say silly crap like that all the time, and you're just like, if the teacher puts it up, it looks like it's endorsed by the thing, so they don't get to do it. What the kids do? Well, the, and the, then people make that argument all the time. I hear it constantly, like. Like they can't pray in schools. Like yeah, just the teacher cannot incite it. Well, it's that's the, the rule. The, 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 what ends up happening is is that anytime something like this happens, but see what you got just one teacher who put up things, historical things. I mean things from I I just finished a new book called The Case for America's Christian Heritage, and mm-hmm. I went through because you'll find people saying, oh, the founders were all deists, uh, they were Unitarians. Uh, uh, well, uh, different ones were different yeah. things. And but if you go through yeah. and look at the doc, the documentation on things, mm-hmm. it's fundamentally Christian. You know, at the time of the in the First Amendment to the Constitution, it says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. And yet, 
what's his name? Eric Swalwell comes out and said, you, you idiots, don't you know anything about the, the Constitution? It says there's a separation between church and state. Well, that's, that's not <laughs> found in there. He got on that one, too. <clears throat> yeah, did you see? Yeah. So what, what was the purpose of the First Amendment? It's a hermeneutical question now. Interpretation. Congress shall make no law. The states wanted that in there because the states actually had North Carolina, for example, is a good exa- is a good example of this. North Carolina, you could not, you were not qualified to hold public office in the state of North Carolina unless you believed in the uh, authority of both the Old and New Testaments. Hmm. Well, the state, you know, the states were permitted to do all this stuff. And the states were the ones that that wanted that for the First Amendment to state that. And of course, you can. That's interesting. That's never been presented to me as a states' right view. It was yeah. always presented presented to me as a a bunch of people that escaped from religious oppression were just trying to make sure the government did another government didn't do it to them again. Yeah, that well, was that, how that, that was, that was done to at see the national level because each of those states were kind of like mini. Sure. Mini yeah. Countries. No, they were. Yeah, own, absolutely independent and yeah, basically own, didn't yeah. want to be one nation. Had their own governors, had yeah, their own they constitution. They all had their own so little forth. power they yeah. didn't want to give up. That's and education was not controlled by by the national government. Today we have a Nor federal department. Yeah, we have a depart, federal department of education. We put people on the moon without a federal department of education. We didn't actually. It was just yeah, uh, Stanley Kubrick just filmed that. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, You've been watching those conspiracy theory yeah. shows again. You don't you don't believe that either. I mean, <laughs> He's so kidding. Get people, yeah, for I'm the actually, record, just so you know, was, I, Rick was joking. I am joking, and I love I love uh, space travel. So <laughs> I love I love, was it not uh, John Glenn? Like some conspiracy theorist walked up to him some time one time and like yelling out, "You didn't go to the moon, you liar!" And he decked him. Yeah, <laughs> he was just so done with it. He was and, just like, and that was I think that yeah. was Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong. But, oh, thank you. But they said the same thing to John Glenn, and he decked him, and he said, "You're right, I didn't go to the moon." Because all he did was just circle <laughs> the, <laughs> the orbit. Yeah. I still like to deck these guys right yeah. now. Uh, so you know how many uh, people you'd have to get to keep their mouth shut for all oh of their God. lives? Yeah. There's, there's that deathbed on, confessions. I don't think there's so. that online joke where it's like, I love conspiracy theorists. As as a uh, as a project planner, I love conspiracy theorists. Uh, their optimism is uh, cute. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah, I just try to get twelve people somewhere on time to not blab, and you know what I mean, and to show up and do what they need to do with like twelve people, and you're talking about like ten thousand people to do one thing that big. right. Yeah, it's no way. Well, I just um, I want to tell our listeners about because I, I have several listeners that say we wish you would put out more content more often. So what I'm going to suggest to my listeners is that. On you know you're anywhere that podcasts can be found the the Gary Demar podcast so. I, I, it's definitely on Spotify that's how I'm following it's Apple it. something was a- Apple, Apple podcast yeah I, I, all all the major ones all probably. the major ones yeah, yeah good, I don't yeah. do any of that all I do is talk into a microphone <laughs> and everybody <laughs> right. else does the other stuff Smart I, have man. An, I have enough you know technological stuff that I've got to do God, so that's, I need a guy yeah. I need a guy you need a guy I need a guy yeah but so if, or a the, gal. Or, or a yeah, gal, true. a person. You're yes. hired. Oh, look yeah. at look at, look at on, you. Gal. Look at Sarita being all gender Step neutral. <laughs> Talk about stepping in a Listen, pile. Listen, I'm it. a women's right kind of lady, a real woman. Yeah. Well, here's what I have to say. If you guys get, you're like, oh, I really want some more. Go to the Gary Demar podcast. You can find it on Spotify or anywhere you're looking for your podcast. And you can go to AmericanVision.org. They two days two days a week. I write articles Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then the other. The other three days, uh, you'll find the 
a link to the podcast there as well. So go to AmericanVision.org for that. Yes. Plus all these books that we've talked about are all there. Yeah, I want to talk about them for just a second. Uh, I don't want to throw you out of the studio without getting to this. <laughs> so uh, guys, I got several books here in the in the studio. This this one, if you don't mind, maybe give it a little summary of each okay. one of these, if you don't mind. The Gog and Magog End Time Alliance, Israel, Russia, and Syria in Bible Prophecy. It's an interpretation of Ezekiel 38 and 39 and the link to the events in the book of Esther. Yeah, and, which we're doing a study oh, yeah, on. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. That's a yeah. Get quick tie-in. Tune in a couple yeah. more weeks and we'll yeah. get there. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, totally. We're, we'll finish it in February I of 2025. Send, I will send you Jim Jordan's kind of notes on the book of Esther because it's really fascinating stuff. Wow, yeah. that's great. Yeah, I, I remember, and Bob Cruikshank has mentioned it too. Um, there are some tie-ins uh, in Esther for what people use for prophecy today. It's actually tied into Esther, which is huh. obviously ancient. That's, right. that's funny. You don't think of Esther as a thing people are going to use for prophecy. Yeah, fulfilling. Well, it doesn't even mention the word God doesn't appear in the book of Esther either, which is kind of interesting. Nope. Uh, but the acrostic YHVH does. Did you know that? The what now? Bam! I got <laughs> Mr. DeMar! So, the Tetragrammaton. Oh, he hasn't okay. listened to it. No, no. The Tetragrammaton shows up four times um, in the book of Esther. And it was, you, you, I forget what they call it. It's like a device that they use to hide the name. Um, and they, it's the I'll beginning. I'll look that up. That sounds awfully. What's the what did the, what was dubious? The thing? <laughs> oh, let us let us know. Prove what, us wrong. What yeah, did they, wrong. What did they do? What was the thing? The big thing? The a Bible code sounds oh, a yeah, lot it's Bible not, codish. Yeah, it's, it's very. Um, it's not just. It's actually the rabbis of of long ago. Okay, I'll that look that up. That's, that's something I didn't know. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, and it shows up four times uh, from chapter one all the way to chapter seven. Not after chapter seven. Okay, and they're forward and backward. And each time when they're forward, it's whenever Yahweh or Yahweh's people are doing something. Whenever it's backwards, it's whenever the Gentile or Haman are doing something against the Jew. Okay, it's a really interesting thing. Yeah, but if you do find something that is actually that. that that says that I'm wrong, please yeah, shoot let me an email yeah. and I'll come on and be like, guess yeah, what? I got my head popped. All right. Yeah. Again. War- <laughs> <laughs> Wars and rumors of wars. What Jesus really said about the end of the age, earthquakes, a great tribulation, signs in the heavens and his coming. Well, I wrote Last Days of Madness, which is the bigger book that covers the events of Matthew 24, but it also deals with the rapture, the Daniel 70 weeks. So it's much more comprehensive. Okay. So I wanted a something that I could just hand to somebody and say, look, this is Matthew 24. Then if you look in the back of the book, it's even, there's even a shorter, no, back of the book, not the back cover. Oh, the um, back of the book, uh, yeah. Yeah, and there's a small, there's a kind of a very short verse by verse oh, I see explanation that. of that. So my my theory is you give them a big book, give them a medium sized book, and then give them a small book on the same same subject. Yes. Let them go, let them move up in terms of interest and right. cover, cover all your bases. Right. Um, why the end of the world is not in your future. That's, that's the same, the same one, one as the Gog and Magog book. It's the same one? Yeah. So I bought the same book? You bought the same book. You can give that I, one I'll away. get to give somebody uh, one. Thank you. That? I'll take that. How about uh, 10 popular prophecy myths exposed and answered? The last days might not be as near as you think. Just dealing with um, uh, the idea that, that there's this dis- distinction between the church and Israel, uh, the use of uh, the Greek word oikumene over against cosmos, just all the... Kind of, you know, um, uh, God's, God uh, made a covenant with Israel. He kept that covenant with Israel. Then he postponed that covenant with Israel. Then he's going to revise that covenant of Israel. And then he's going to have Jews slaughtered at the end of history because of the renewed covenant with Israel. Oh, so okay. I kind of deal with all that too. Very, in then, that one? No, yeah, that, in this one. Oh, okay. okay. 
So, uh, myths, lies, and half-truths. How misreading the Bible neutralizes Christians and empowers liberals, secularists, and atheists. Ooh. Once you get I'll inv- give this one to Andy. Once, yeah, I need that. Yeah, once you get involved in uh, the application of the Bible to every area of life, you'll find Christians come up with all kinds of excuses why they shouldn't be involved. There's separation between church and state, we hear. Can't impose your morality on other people. Our citizenship is in heaven. Um, you just, the whole, there's a, just a whole list of things that, that excuses people the we're, we're, we're living gotcha, in the last. Gotcha. We're living in the last days. Right. Uh, there's a whole. Our, Jesus said, "His kingdom is not of this world." So I kind of answer all those things. And so I'm, I'm just going through the ones that I have here. Obviously, you can go on AmericanVision.org. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get. If you don't mind, I'm going to get into that one here in just a second. Uh, there's three small books here. Something greater is here. Just a. It's just a basic. Hey, I'm a Christian. What What should I do in the world? And that you know, Jesus Sounds is good. the Jesus is the one who's greater. He's the one who's something. You know, Jesus says, you know, something greater is here. Yeah, Talk about Solomon and everything else. Well, be, if that's the case, what's your problem? Let's get let's get to work here. Right? Is Jesus coming soon? That's a a shorter version on, on Matthew chapter twenty four. So okay. again, you want to hand that to somebody who's. Ah, you know, that big that big book's too fat. I'll, 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 I'll read that, and that one has pictures in it too. Right. So no, they, that's for me here in the south. <laughs> we need to. Do you have any? Hey. Just curious. Do you have any pop up books? I said me. <laughs> I thought you said many. Actually, <laughs> I said that's for me have here. You, in have the you have you had anything to do with children's books? Uh. I kind why of, daddy I, is I, wrong I, I, and why I, 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 why do you think he writes three different versions <laughs> yeah. well no you think about it you think about it. If, if you are a Christian in the world and you have this view but you are a member of a church I think Terry has just a discovered an untapped market <laughs> Yes, yeah, so you know, you you're, you're, you're in a predicament here where obviously you want your children to attend the church and you know and grow but you how do you teach your children? Well, I wrote a, I wrote a small book booklet on hermeneutics, which mm-hmm. on how to interpret Bible prophecy essentially, and it's 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 youth oriented and it walks them through. So it means it would be good for some adult. Let's who, use it in that, here. That, I, we yeah. just talked about hermeneutics yes, the other day. Let's you use sure this did. book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it available on American Vision? Uh huh. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. Then I will get that, and we'll use that as our study for hermeneutics. Yeah. I think that's good. Then yeah. I have a I have a real lengthy thing on hermeneutics. I'll I'll send you that too. Okay. So I, I there I just that's just a general thing on hermeneutics. Right. It's not published. It's just something I put to get put together. Yeah, I mean she she makes a great point. I mean we we raise our children. We want to bring them in with other believers, and that's the way it is. But then while you're there, you're going to be having some doctrine thrown at you that doesn't necessarily agree with what your doctrine would be, and so that's the struggle. Yeah. And so you want to be able to say, here's how we can, you know, be different. I remember how we can blend. Yeah, I just I remember David Curtis, Pastor David Curtis, talking about that. How his granddaughter, of course, mm-hmm. was raised in a predis in a preterist household, and she went to this local church with some friends from school, and she comes back, and she's like, Dad, they think that Jesus is coming back in the future. And he's like, I understand, I understand, honey. And and then she was like, Oh, and that's not all, you know. And so he just like kept coming, and he you just realize, wow, it's how much it affects, you know. If you could raise a ch- child in this society, uh, especially you know, for us, I mean, it's it's very difficult to be able to assimilate, right? Yeah. You know. Uh, you also have a, a book, uh, "Whoever Controls the Schools Rules the World." My wife loved this title. Um, one of the most useful tools in the quest for power is the educational system. 
Well, our founders understood that, and they mm-hmm. came over here and started their own schools, and they, you know, you got Harvard, Yale, uh, what is today Princeton, Columbia University, which was the College of New York. Uh, they understood that. They were, and, and if you look at Harvard's um, kind of laying Christ at the bottom as the, full, the foundation of all of all knowledge. Yeah. And yet, but the problem was is they also adopted kind of a a a uh, a Greek Roman model for a lot of their classes, mm-hmm. and uh, eventually, then they say, "Oh well, we don't have to teach math from a Christian perspective, or we don't have to teach history from a Christian perspective." And then they ended up turning those schools over; they were just taken from them over the years. And that's sure. just what happened today. So, right, and they, they understood education <clears throat> very well. One of the things that we've talked about in here many times, I've I've asked the guys in here, I say, "Do you believe that this is a Christian nation?" And I say, "No," and the I want it to be like that's how I feel like I you know in Christ's precepts and I want it to be and I know I believe that in its early state when when we became a nation to ourselves that we were definitely founded on those principles and I know people will argue that point but I disagree with them I think they definitely were founded on our principles but I think over time it's been taken away and I think the reason why has a lot to do with dispensationalism. I think it's well, like it was you said, earlier, it's a dying ship, took, right? It took over. It was early, earlier than that. Even it in was, the 1700s, you oh, think? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it goes, yeah. The, what what ended up, ha- I don't know how, but. Uh, you, you've got 45 seconds. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you, <laughs> you take as long as you need. The, I mean, if you look, if you know, we mentioned earlier, if you look at someone <laughs> like, like James Madison, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin uh, Franklin was a child of the Enlightenment. Yeah, a little they, difficult they, to claim they, that one. They, they you know, all, all of them, all of them, uh, you know, were, uh, there's not, there was nothing wrong with the Enlightenment era. era. But what gave, gave rise to the Enlightenment era was actually the Christian era. What, what made science scientific? And um, Leon, um, what's his last name? Isley. Uh, talked about Darwin, the, the 20th century being the Darwinian century. And he admits in there, it was the Christian worldview that made science possible because their Christian worldview taught that the world was, in fact, um, you could survey the things that, that, that took place in the world. You, if you did an experiment today because of the basic principles of the, of, of the way the world was put together, if you followed the same procedure the next day, that same thing would take place. Mm-hmm. That was that was unusual. Galileo, Galileo was not opposed to the Bible. It's that the church in Galileo's day had borrowed the cosmology and the scientific theories and the ethical theories of Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Aristotle never did any experiments. He theorized if you had two objects, so if you dropped a 12-pound shot and you dropped a 16-pound shot from the same height, the one that was 16 pounds would drop faster than the one the twelve the twelve pound one. And that's just based on theory by Aristotle. Just theory. Right. And so Galileo, Galileo would, comes along and says, the balls. wait a minute. And then he did the thing about the acceleration factor. Well, Galileo did it on the basis of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Aristotle didn't, but the church had adopted Aristotelianism. The whole the whole um, the earth is the center of the cosmos. Right. That was that was Aristotle's view. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Copernicus comes along and Galileo come al- comes along and they said, "No, no, no, no. That's not the case at all." And then Kepler comes along and says, "The orbits aren't circular. The orbits are elliptical." So Christians were the ones that really brought all, all these to the fore because Galileo was a he, yeah, but he half those Christians were in big trouble from the institutions that oh, you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're walking a fine line. Yeah. 
I mean, it's uh, Columbus. How many? I mean, when I was in school, we we kept we we kept being told, "Oh, Columbus, Columbus sailed so so he could prove that the world was round because everybody in his day believed it was flat." We heard that was that's in the textbooks, and that's one of the, one of the chapters in there. It's amazing, even today. People bring that up. And you've got like uh, Stephen Are you Jay- telling me that's not the case? No, not at no, all. No, they wanted but, slaves and gold. Well, they yeah. did, but that, that, yeah. that wasn't the geography at the time was oh, the yeah. earth was round. Yeah. The, yeah, Columbus was wrong on the, the, uh, the size of the earth and the fact that there was a continent, what we know today as you know, North and C- Central and South America, and of course, which he never got to. Mm-hmm. But th- that was never a dispute. It was always, and, and the cartographers of the day they said that the Earth was a lot bigger than Columbus. Columbus uh, said it was, so that was the dispute. But it's in all it's all the all the textbooks. Not all, not so much anymore. But even Stephen Jay Gould, who was an evolutionist, admitted, "No, that's that never happened. That was never part of history." Almost every Christian cartographer geographer believed that the earth was in, was in fact round. I'm just curious how it feels to be wrong, knowing that the earth actually is flat. I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you. I know a lot of people that actually do. It's, un- it's unbelievable, dude. Oh, it's a thing. Oh, yeah. Flat earthers dude, are real. Flat earthers are real. And they believe it. It's not garbage. They really believe it. And they, they I've use I've never all of, met one. The, oh, I have. And there is a there's like these scientific proofs that they 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 talk about some sort of experiments and I'm not even gonna go there. Yeah, no, really. No, That's, it's yeah, true. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, but that well, was never that was never fun. an issue. That was never an issue. I want to do something fun. Okay. Uh, while we were at dinner. Um, <laughs> Gary did this fun thing with us. Um, when we, when you come up and you talk to somebody about biblical things and they want to argue, but you, you did this little game. It was like 10, 10 questions or something that you did. Well, I have a, I, I give him a little Bible I test. I want you to do, uh, Sarita, I want you and Billy to take this Bible test. Okay. We oh, did it. Here. So don't we feel had to like do it. you did yeah, it. We, we did like it. And just so you know, I got them all wrong. So have fun. <laughs> well, <laughs> just, wait, now you set them up. You know, <laughs> is that true? Right. Did you get them all wrong? No, oh. I got them all right, except for one. <laughs> I was trying to make them feel good. Uh, here's here's a, a question that's pre- it's pretty easy. All right. Uh, Noah's Ark landed on Mount Ararat. True or false? False. Now you have to tell me why. Oh, no, I can't do the that. The Bible says it came to rest on Mount. Now I'm debating on what I've Because you pick, you pick you, you're going to do the opposite of what you normally would do. <laughs> so go ahead. I want to say it came to rest uh, on Mount Era or next to or near, no? It, the Noah's Ark landed on the mountains of Ararat. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who cut off Samson's hair? Is this a trick question? No, it's not a trick question. <laughs> What's the answer? It's in, it is, in the Bible. Actually. It was um, was is he fell asleep? She got him. Samson and Delilah. Delilah. Yeah. No. It was the her servants. One of his her yeah. servants came mm-hmm. and did it. Okay. I knew that one. Good for you. Yeah. Okay. Here go. Um, but she see. wouldn't dare do something so menial. <laughs> that was the only one I knew. So. <laughs> okay. Good. Yay. Um, <laughs> let's see the the lamb. And the what will lie down together? The lamb and the what will the lie down? The lion and the lamb? Anybody else? Well, they already know. I already heard the answer. I got it right. You did? Was it the wolf? He did. He got it right. It's the wolf. It's because he's got the you. vest on, Very good. Guys. Hey, it was the vest back. Oh, you wow. the vest. The song is the lion and the lamb. <laughs> yeah, they okay. just got it wrong. The wolf and the lamb doesn't go quite so Pride yeah. comes before Pride water. Go- 
Pride go up before a fall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pride comes before destruction. Destruction. A haughty spirit before a fall. fall. Yes. Okay. Um, I need more true faults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's That's see. That's a 50-50 right there. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> Who judges Ruth? And we're talking about the Bible now. Who judges Ruth? Now, don't say God. God judges everyone. Who, who specifically judges Ruth? No clue. Naomi? You know your books of the Bible? I've read Ruth, yeah. Okay, go through the book. Let's go. Genesis, Exodus, Exodus Leviticus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers Deuteronomy, 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 Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Just like Hebrews, nice. Hebrews, James. What is it? The, the Hebrews one. I don't There's, know. They do that with Hebrews. Yeah, Hebrews. Hebrews. Hebrews beer or something like Hebrews, that. Yeah, it's like one what's, of those. What's after James? Is James John? after? No, no, James is John's later. So James. No, Hebrews James. <laughs> anyway. Oh, I see. He- Hebrews. Hebrews John James is John. Is that what it says? Okay. Anyway, you everyone knows this one. Where is baseball mentioned in the Bible? Where is baseball? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very first verse of the Bible says, "In the beginning." <laughs> beginning. In the beginning. Okay, where does where in the Bible does it say that you sounds can, like one of your jokes? You can yeah. watch. You can watch television. Where in the Bible does it say you can watch television? Oh, well, I saw this one. Where was it? What is? I don't know. Um, when Jesus came down, it was on the Mount of Transfiguration. They come down from the Mount. He says, "Television to no one until the Son of Man has risen from the dead." <laughs> <laughs> Aren't those fun? Those are fun. Okay. I like those. Yeah. What industry saved the whale? This is this isn't a trick question, but this. What industry? What industry saved the whales? Electricity. Then they use whale kind of, blubber kind of. for. Well, oil, the oil, oil? industry. Oil industry actually saved the whales because they hunted yeah, the burning hunted blubber. Whales yeah, the, they yeah, the, yeah. yeah. And yeah. So anyway. So I usually give a, a test, not the funny ones. I do save those for later as extra credit because nobody gets them all right. And I, I do that because when I'm, talk, when I'm about to talk on a controversial subject like eschatology, it kind of, you know, wow, I, you know, I, don't, I don't even know, know these basic Sunday yeah, It levels the playing field yeah, a little so bit. a little bit, so it helps. So yeah. I'll, send you the, I'll send you the whole test and with all the answers and so forth. Yes, so. I'm yeah. teaching a history class, a U.S. history class for my co-op, and I would like to yeah. share those with the kids because it's, it's a Christian co-op. So. Yeah, I'll send you that. Was that Gregula in there? Maybe. Like a back <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was like flap. <laughs> Gary DeMar, it was a pleasure having you here on it's our good podcast. To be here. No, I got yeah. a question. Oh. I, I ask all our guests. You got it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So so Gary, when when your body takes the last breath, what is your belief? What, I mean, what 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 happens? Well, at my funeral, most people will sit around and eat a really big meal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh that is a very good question. Okay. Uh and I I'm this is this is where First Thessalonians four comes into this 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 whole thing, which is kind of interesting. But I believe that when you die, uh, you go to be with the Lord, and you get a new body at that time, mm-hmm. spirit spiritual body. And it's interesting. First Thessalonians four thirteen through eighteen talks about the dead and the rest of the dead. Well, what they have to do with that particular passage, now remember, I'm still kind of working through some of these things, and that's one of them. They have to assume that that's the dead body in the ground because that event is future. So when you die, everybody's told they're supposed to go, you're going to go to heaven, 
But then at some time in the future, you get this, you get this, your body out of the grave, you know, comes mm -hmm. up and it's mm -hmm. renewed and so forth and so on. Now, that doesn't make sense with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 because you have to assume that the dead there referred to dead bodies rather than the dead, dead people. Mm -hmm. So, anyway. But no, that is, and, and, and that's not an unusual interpretation either, that when you die, you get a, a, a brand new brand new body. Mm -hmm. follow, follow up. I'm sure a lot of people will say, Gary DeMar's a heretic, but that's okay because I'm, I'm old enough. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> You've heard ahead. it all before, yeah, I suspect. <laughs> He's okay, been a heretic so for a long time. If, uh, if you get a new body in heaven, our quick question and then a follow-up, are you ever hungry or tired, et cetera, in pain? That, that's another good question. Uh, I, I, one of the questions I always ask is, will there be competition in heaven? Hmm. I mean, if things always come easy, you know, you know what it's like. Yeah. You know, if something always comes easy to you, I mean, why are sports so, you know, fantastic for people? They love to see people compete, be people to fail, people to progress. People love to do it. Yeah, and they do. They yeah. like, you know, that was with me. You know, I, I lifted weights since I was 12 years old. And I always, you know, you put a couple more you know, put two and a halves on the next five. You you saw this progress. So, will there be progress in heaven? Will there be competition? Will you fail at things? I I, th I think you have to. Yeah, but I, but I think our want will be gone. And if your want is gone, then none of that. But why would the want? Well, no, like 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 the the tenth commandment. You know, I always want something more. Want more, more, more. I, I need more. The human oh, you're never satisfied. More. With you're what never you satisfied have. with what you have, which. Yeah, covetousness. You know, covetousness is, I think, different. Yeah, from, I agree. I, I, okay. I, I don't think that's. That's you not covet the same. There, yeah. There's covetousness and envy. There, you know, covetous. I want what that person has. I'm not satisfied with it. I can't live my life without it. Envy says, I want that. What that person have has, I can't get it, and I'm going to make sure he can't keep it. That's envy. That's what we're living with right now. Yeah, that's what we're living with. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, one of the seven, seven deadly sins. So I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that the Bible doesn't really talk that much about heaven. Yeah. Right. I've, I've said that yeah. so many times. Like, for well, me. Well, hasn't the pastor said this speaks more about um, hell. hell than it does heaven? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And for me, it's like, I always think, will I be able to go back and look at all the things of history? You know, and like watch it in real time. I know me and my friend Jason talk about that all oh, the time. About that. We're like, like we go to this proverbial living room with an old TV and Movie a VHS theater. tape, a VHS tape, and we plop it in and we get to watch what happened. You don't think God has better technology than that? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> well, my mom says I'm Satan for thinking that because that's why he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be God and know everything. And I'm like, I would think it would be cool to go to all these places and watch it all happen and find out what was the real like truth. And not that, was, that was a uh, original Star Trek episode. Yeah. Oh, Remember yeah. Remember that one? What yeah. was the name of that one? Um, something on the city, f city of forever or something, where they land on this planet and they go through this portal. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They go back and they ended up changing time because they saved some woman's life. And then uh, Shatner and uh, Bo uh, who else? Uh, Sp he and Spock have to go back there and stop McCoy from doing this. And, uh, and it was like you could see all of time the going before effect, you. Yeah. You could just go in there and. So I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, think, I think there your yeah. want. You know, it's like me and and kind of sports right now. I mean, I, I I still kind of pay attention to pole vaulting at records and things of that sort, but it's it doesn't have the same desire and fascination for me that it once had, and that 
but probably to a certain degree was probably what heaven would be like as well. We it probably will be a whole different type of world that we're not even able to uh, able to understand. Yeah. yeah. Understand, what was your so. follow up question? My follow up is: If you're never hungry, if you're never tired, are you still you? Hmm. Are you the same person? Jesus ate after his, you know, that he had his, his, his new, new body. Well, they say, we, uh, what is it? Uh, well, it's not hunger and tired, right? It's hunger and tired are just the primary things that affect your attitude. But it's just, we are, you are an organism that is not your brain, right? You make decisions all the time based on the chemical balance of your body that includes the yeah. contents of your stomach sugar. and and it's sugar, sugar. And, 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 and and if something <laughs> three if no something sugar. sort of panicking happened earlier that day you make different decisions all the time you yeah. know what i mean based on your physical body yeah but you're not going to want a cigarette or something right that, yeah but that doesn't cause cancer in heaven why not i want some weed <laughs> jeez <laughs> Listen, listen. <laughs> this guy has brought too much California with him. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right. You know, that's, that's a perfect. I can, I can tell you. I can tell you. Chuck Swindoll said that in heaven, asparagus will be bad for you, <laughs> and that thirty-one flavors of Baskin Robbins will actually help you lose weight. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on the show, uh, Mr. Mars. Just a pleasure, and. Um, yeah, please, guys, go to AmericanVision.org. Go look for the Gary DeMar podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And um, there are, the, they have several books that you can buy at American Vision. Um, he mentioned David Chilton. Uh, you guys are going to be printing Days of Vengeance again sometime it in is, the near future. It is. It is re, we've printed, reprinted it a couple of times, but it is done. The, the new printing is done. I don't know when we're going to get it in, but as soon as— we get it in. Uh, we got tons of back orders. For yeah, people. I'm a part of that. I'm getting you all a copy of it. Um, I have Paradise Restored. <sighs> Chilton is amazing. He about was. Dominion. Um, David Chilton was the best writer of all of us. Gary yeah. North said he never had to, never had to make one correction of any of his his, his writings. Change one thing, and yet yeah. David Chilton hated to write. <laughs> his password was suffer. His password on his computer was suffer. <laughs> you believe that? Talented, talented guy. Wow. He was the father. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you can get any book there. Also, you can go on YouTube and you can look up the Gary DeMar show. He's got those uh, 12 to 15 minute bits that are uh, really cool. You know, go check them out. And um, yeah, so thanks again for being on the show. Andy, Ralph, Sarita, Cherry, 100%. Billy. Thanks so much. I had a joke, but I didn't need one. He had like 10 fun ones. Oh, Ralph, Ralph killed it with an ender there. Yeah. That he wanted weed? <laughs> yeah, yeah, weed in heaven. He, yeah. he, that's Go out on the top. Yeah. <laughs> weed in heaven. Never. I think Never. I'm write that book. Can Andy, are you in, Ben? Yeah. Uh, are you in? What, heaven? There's weed in heaven. Why not? Well, we will talk to you guys next time on the Burrows of Berea. Peace. Dave Cristiano and Rich Cristiano have put out a film called Mind Reader. That movie comes out um, October the 25th. And if you will go to mindreadermovie.com, mindreadermovie.com, you will see that they're putting in 25 theaters across the U.S., 
if you will look and see if there's a theater near you, I'm urging you to go and see this film. The Cristianos are a rare breed. These men, you met Dave, Andy. Yep. You met him right here in the studio. He is a sincere man. He loves the Lord, and he makes sure to share the gospel in every one. And he's not doing it in a way that beats you over the head or makes you feel guilty or makes you feel threatened. He's telling you that there's mercy and grace and love for those who are hurting. That's what he talks about. And mindreadermovie.com. If you'll go to that, see if that if there's a theater near you. Hey guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burroughs of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys. Man, I have like... So you're writing five books at one time. <laughs> that... That's what that says to me. And that's which, a guy that's doing this with the both feet and both hands, <laughs> and then he's got one in his yeah. mouth, and he's yeah, right. Uh, I think we're rolling. I'm just gonna go. Can look you at hear the anything? Yes. Okay. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Did uh, it's working? There's a there's a volume of right above where you plugged your headphones in, and that will be your just overall volume. Uh, I think everybody's gonna be okay, but as we go along, you know, if somebody's really hot, I'll turn them down and try to get everybody level. So, I'm really. But, <laughs> and here we go. And yeah. Smoking. <laughs> Smoking. <laughs> wow. I had uh, Bill Evans actually sent me a, uh, on Facebook, he sent me that question. Do you guys remember when I was talking about um, Calvinism, Arminianism? And um, that reminds me, Andy, do you have your camera here today? It's in the house, but yeah. Would you be willing to take pictures after? Sure. Oh, wonderful. I just want to make sure that we have a picture of him. Sure. Um, oh, you got to go to those other pictures too. Oh, I brought a uh, thumb drive. Thumb drive, okay. Yeah. Um, but Bill Evans, uh, he's he's the one that said, and if I make money, I'm going to get some nice shoes. You remember yeah, that? Oh! <laughs> so, yeah. so Bill reached out yeah, uh, via funny. Facebook today. And if you guys remember, you know, I'm a Calvinist. I'm a preterist, mm. so my, you know, my views are a little odd so in comparison. Up there. You're, you're yeah. an atheist, <laughs> but anyway. So the point being that he's a mutt. We we yeah. had a conversation. You know, Bill's driving down the road, and we had a conversation about it, and and uh, I said, you know, I had this idea. Like, if we focus on the time statements, is it is it possible that John Calvin was right, and the the Calvinist, the four point or the five point, however you want to look at it, that it was correct. But it was meant for the first century saints all the way up into the point until the end of the age. And then from that point on, then man is now at the stage where they're back to where they can choose the trees that they eat. And so, you know, of course, Mike Mike Sullivan has a response for me and he's going to send it to okay. me because obviously it's— No, he really does? He has a response? <laughs> just so you know, Mike, Mr. DeMar really likes you. <laughs> he just hasn't had a chance to meet you yet. But in—, in uh, uh, so, but funny enough, Bill Evans on Facebook today puts that out, you know, almost like making Calvinism and Arminianism agree. And I was like, interesting. And so he asked me the question directly and I was like, I'm going to let Mike answer this one. You know, I can't answer that question. Anyway, are we rolling? Yeah. Wonderful. All right. You should tell that uh, joke about who's judging. Which one? Whom, yes. Huh? 
Who judges? Who judges Ruth? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're gonna. I'm gonna ask you to do all of your funny questions okay. that we did over dinner for sure. I definitely because he's got some lighthearted funny stuff which works well. For we us. need we need a bunch of laughs. Yeah. And then, <laughs> just have to edit out all the eating sounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 